Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Monday's here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Welcome in as uh, we get you set. NFL to talk today. Some Husker news and notes as Dylan Riola is trying to throw the football to the sun based on Twitter video. Or over the mountains. Over the mountains could work too as it's much nicer in Honolulu than it is in uh, much of the Midwest. But we will uh, grin and bear it as uh, Elijah and I are going with our best South Park tribute. We're wearing stocking caps again today. Numbers to get in, 489-1240, 489-1240, or 800-825-5865. can send an email, chris at hailvarsity.com, or uh, just find us on the YouTube channel, Hail Varsity YouTube channel, or the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. We do this uh, every day, start the show off. We do roll call, our starting five. The first five into the stream, you get a shout out. We appreciate you checking us out. Mike was in first as he was waiting uh, since 3.30. Roger checks in. Matthew in at third. Dion comes in at four. And then Tuck checks in at five. Patrick rounding out in at six. So uh, there we have it. Uh, A lot going on. Kalen DeBoer, your man, now down at Alabama. Some thoughts on that. Craig Maddock, longtime sportscaster, and just Sioux Falls slash South Dakota uh, sports uh, insight man uh, spent a lot of time uh, in his years with Kalen DeBoer. Uh, Craig, going to join us here at 425. We'll check in. He spoke with Kalen on his podcast on New Year's Day. So I'm anxious to kind of see if there was any feelings. You just never could know, though, right, if, if Saban was going to step down and that domino did happen, 
Greg Byrne moved quickly to, to fill that position. We'll head down to Tuscaloosa, check in with Lars Anderson, get Lars' take on just the mood around Tuscaloosa, the reception to DeBoer, and the bombshell of Saban's departure. NFL to get into, Husker thoughts to dive into in hour two. It's the Blackshirt Hour. We'll hear from Blackshirt Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt, a Monday with Charlie, get coaches' thoughts on all sorts of things going on in the world of college football and NFL. And then Jay Moore will check in. Uh, Blackshirt Husker NFL or co-host Big Red Wrap-Up Jay Moore uh, will hear from him around 525. And I'd like to make a quick note here before yep. we get going. This is a, a rare circumstance where an NFL playoff game is running concurrently with Hale Varsity Radio. If you're sitting out there going, man, I don't know what I should tune into. The Bills, two for two well, on their drives. They're already at 14 to nothing. And just now, uh, almost a pick six. It's called an incomplete pass. Uh, and the Steelers will punt it away. So 14 nothing, probably soon to become 21 to nothing for the Bills. If you're here with us on Hale Varsity Radio, you've made the right choice. Right. And you can always, you know, listen to us or watch us and Hopefully your your bar room or Husker Den has multiple TVs so you can you can do both. Yeah, it is a little funny that you shifted playoffs. Now, you and I both saw the footage. Many of us have saw the footage on social media where Pittsburgh fan it looks like Clark Griswold going out to get the new family Christmas tree where snows up to their hips. That's the look of Pittsburgh fan trying to get into their seating at Rich Stadium, or whatever it's called now, Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo. We got hammered with snow in Lincoln and in Omaha and all parts of Nebraska. Uh, Buffalo got really, really, really hammered with snow to the point where they postponed the game for a 3.30 central kickoff, 4.30 uh, upstate New York kickoff. And it's funny, you got Papa Bear wearing this giant Rod Woodson jersey, and, and he's just trudging through the human snowplow dad with Junior behind him. There was no rope tied around each other's waist to, to, so no one got lost. But, I mean, that snow was thick. It was so bad conditions-wise that all those folks making 20 bucks an hour, all the Bills fans, they couldn't get in till this morning to start clearing the snow out. I mean, they got absolutely drenched. Uh, with uh, copious amounts of snowfall, I did enjoy the uh, the snow mountain that was uh, used as part of the the table dive by Bill's Mafia uh, pregame. So they they did the old King of the Mountain or King of the Hill and and launched off top of these giant snow mountains in the parking lot to, to let the tailgate festivities go. I, I have been to some cold games. It was kind of blizzarding at Iowa State uh, way back when. I uh, got to the Big 12 championship game, Nebraska-Oklahoma. That was cold. There's a handful of Colorado games my feet haven't thawed, thawed out for. Same with Oklahoma games. But nothing like that. I mean, that is pure passion for you as a well, a visiting fan, a Pittsburgh fan, to go watch the Steelers who got into the playoffs continue to have poor offense, and uh, you're, you're frozen. I mean, there were so many sights and sounds of folks down at Arrowhead where they tried to open their beer, and their beer was frozen. That's football weather. That is football weather. That, that, is, uh, that is, you need a flask or you need some of the hard stuff to keep you warm. You need Jerry Kill eating a dilly bar is what you need. 
Or his, or his defensive coordinator, but, but, but yeah. But before we dive into some Husker football thoughts, I should make <clears throat> one more quick point on the Bills. Funniest thing I saw this weekend was somebody saying on Twitter, why is anyone worried about the safety of Bills fans in this weather? These are the same folks that jump through burning tables. No one's cared about their safety for years. Like, what are we doing? And they're still jumping through burning tables despite the weather. The, the, the like, meanest thing I saw on Twitter, uh, aside from a runaway bobcat uh, down by my neighborhood, uh, the Home Depot in Lincoln, in 70th and Pine Lake. <laughs> the second meanest thing I saw on Twitter I read was from a, from a Cowboys fan that Jerry Jones has arranged for uh, Mike McCarthy to take a limo ride home and the route goes through Daly Plaza. <laughs> that was awful. awful. That was so. Awful. That was so bad. Speaking of the, the skid loader, though, that'll be a, a lesson to you, a warning. Are you? Don't smoke you, meth. No. Have you? Have you driven one of those things yes. with the construction background? Yeah. That guy had handles. Uh, I mean, he was able to. I mean, he was just zooming around. That was awful. You know, my, my roommate was watching him drive and started like looking up his name, trying to figure out if he knew him and seen him at any construction sites recently. That that dude looked like he was experienced. And I have gotten the chance to to drive around my dad's Bobcat from a young age. He was a cool dad like that. Would just put us in the driver's seat and say, you never "Don't stole, kill anyone." You never, you never took dad's truck and 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 loader and. No, no, never got that. And then, it was, and it was then always went and played bumper cars at a gas station. I mean, what kind of animal smokes the still? For the love of God. That is awful. That is a sacred place. Many, many happy folks go to daily. The still free shout out Monday. Sorry. Don't smoke meth. Again, is the lesson. <laughs> you know that. I don't know that for a fact that this person was on meth, but I have my suspicions. Are you saying that I know for a fact to not smoke meth? I do know for a fact yes. not to smoke meth. That is pretty incontestable at this point. But Thank you. I don't know for a fact this man was on meth. I have my suspicions. Something or he's just pissed. I mean, he went, and sm- he went and trashed a bunch of cars. We'll get back into sports here, I promise. But that's just something, you know, I mean, it's made national news, man. Uh, Elijah, you have a hankering for poking fun at, at shirtless Florida guy, you know, that always appears on the TV show Cops. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a whole new ball of wax with 20 below wind chills, and uh, it's a runaway skid loader that's trashing vehicles and frightening patrons. You know, the, the, the big thing that's probably wrong with me is I remember seeing that video and being like, damn, I should have gone to Home Depot today. I about went and got gas <laughs> over there. I, uh, I guess I pawned it off to my roommate to go get us some, uh, some wall putty to, to fix some, some of the, the nail holes in our wall this weekend. Pawned it off to him to go sure. to Home Depot, and he went on Friday. Okay. Which, like, brutal. Brutal. We could have all gone and had a fun time on Saturday and, and watched some free entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Schmidt, I can't get to work. Why? A bobcat torched my car. The insurance claim would be nice, though. Yeah. Well, let's uh, get into some Nebraska football, some news and notes. And Well, the news is based on Twitter. Matt Rule's out in sunny, beautiful Hawaii. You've got the uh, Polynesian Bowl that's going to be taking place Friday. Dylan Raiola out there. And uh, just kind of wowing uh, with uh, the, the long toss part of the exercise. And, you know, the, the hype is uh, pretty high right now. The excitement is very high for Nebraska football fans with Riola. And to kind of relate it, uh, NFL is a whole different animal. But, Elijah, you saw two young quarterbacks make pretty emphatic statements this weekend. C.J. Stroud and the Texans. In his first year, shoe in for rookie of the year. Jordan Love, after some time behind uh, Aaron Rodgers, 
really got things clicked post bye week and Green Bay went into a different gear, it gives you some hope that, yeah, uh, playing a young guy, if he wins the job, when he wins the job, can be okay. You roll with some punches, you take some lumps, you learn, and then by the uh, midpoint or end of the season, you're not an air quote rookie anymore. You're playing with confidence. Brother, it all comes down to trading. It comes down to confidence. And it comes down to fit. And then it comes down to some supporting cast. And Green Bay is, is young, but they're not worried. And you're seeing that more and more guys and teams getting it right with youth. And when you do that, uh, it's downhill in a great way from uh, from that that light turning on moment and that's what Matt Rule's experienced with that's where he's turned when he was at Temple when he was at Baylor he went with young quarterbacks he went with young players he played the best guys uh, whether they're old or they're young and if you get a if you get a sprinkling of of vets and young talent and those vets kind of showing the way for the young talent Man, good things can happen. That gets you a pretty high level of excitement if you're Nebraska. And I think what's really interesting is the the different ways in which those two teams, the Texans and the Packers, handled their young quarterbacks. Because they did it in different ways, but there are some similarities. Because like Jordan Love sits for a year behind Aaron Rodgers. They got they got both right when they drafted. Oh, 100 percent. But like gets his feet wet last year, and not many people in the NFL were impressed with with Jordan Love's performances on the on the field last year. Remember his game at Arrowhead against the Chiefs last year? He looked terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people thought this dude's done for and never going to be an NFL quarterback. He starts the year off this year. Doesn't look great. Something flips during the bye week. What was really unique about the Packers this year was despite the fact that you weren't all that impressed with what you saw from Love last year and to start this year, they never once went and found themselves a backup that would truly compete with Love. Love had the keys to that offense year, uh, for the whole year, no matter what happened. They were going to roll with Jordan Love. He never had to worry about who's breathing down my neck, who's going to come take my spot. He was able to play with confidence because of that, and that's such a, a unique thing for a, a franchise to go do in today's NFL is say, hey, we haven't been impressed with our quarterback, but we still like the upside of him. We're going to make sure that he knows he's our starter for the long haul because we're not going to bring in somebody else. Really interesting that they'd be willing to do that three years into a quarterback's career and still say, you know what, we still treat you as the young guy, we still treat you as a guy who's going to take some lumps, and uh, and we're going to roll with you. And then you look at Stroud and the Texans and how they just went, the, I mean, they put all their eggs into the C.J. Stroud basket mm-hmm. this year. They put some weapons around him in the draft, and it paid off, clearly. But just the, the, the two different ways were, one with the Texans, it's we're going to throw this guy into the fire. If we got something, we got something. And then with the, the Packers, it's, you know what, let's let this guy sit under Rodgers. And you see how he plays. He definitely took some notes and, and took some lessons from Rodgers during uh, Aaron's time in Green Bay. And now he comes into his own and uh, kind of merges Aaron's game with his own. And, and it, it really started to pop following the bye week this season. I think it was just super interesting to see how these two different franchises handled their young quarterbacks in different ways, how it paid off for both. Well, we know when to move off or when to get him help, when to be paid patient Mac Jones Justin Fields both in situations where either the nurturing wasn't right their confidence was out the window or there's just not a lot of help in Fields case where he may be on the move to Atlanta Caleb Williams may end up going to the Windy City and it's reset time in Chicago already but a couple of News and notes, Husker football-related-wise. Omar Hales uh, no longer with the football program. Uh, and uh, C.J. Cavazos, uh, also director of football relations. And you had Hales, director of 
uh, high school recruits, personnel for high school recruits. So both those guys have moved on. And if you're sitting at home wondering what's going on behind the scenes, Nebraska is a place, Schmidt, I think you can confirm this, where what is done in the dark will surely come to the light. Mm-hmm. in Nebraska, and, and there's been none of that with either of these two guys. These are, are, are football-related moves by all accounts, and you know what, with some potential staff changes coming. We, we've talked about Glenn Thomas. We've talked about Dana Holgerson. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure the money's right. I think this is a CEO looking at his program and saying, what do we really need? What do we not really need? Where can we, we get some dollars? Um, um, what is the value that these guys are bringing to our program for how much we're paying? And this feels like a, a, a CEO-type decision. This was not a a... A Bob Wager, this guy messed up, and now we have to get him right. on the road. Uh, if they had other jobs and they were leaving for other jobs, I think we would have heard about those by now. This just strikes me as a, a CEO-type move from Matt Rule saying, you know what, we've got some, some staff changes coming here in the next couple weeks. Let's, let's take a, a real hard look at our current coaching staff, who is worth the money we're paying them, who is maybe not worth the money that we're paying them, and, and let's make sure our, our money is being used in, in wise ways as we potentially make some staff changes here in the coming weeks. Well, it, it's an ongoing living evaluation, mm-hmm. always. And you have uh, the head man in Rule, the head man in Trev, that are always trying to get better. They're always going to evaluate. And are you, are you doing the job? Or can someone else do your job? Brother, we're all replaceable. Exactly. <laughs> and, and every day you, uh, you wake up, you, you got to go hard because you're replaceable. It sucks, but it is uh, a reality. Uh, Craig Maddock, uh, legendary broadcaster from South Dakota, has spent a ton of time around Kalen DeBoer and his career. We'll check in with Craig Maddock next. Thoughts on that? Husker basketball stubbed their toe both of them uh, on Friday will reset that. Hail Varsity continues. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help. From fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out on a Monday. Plenty of NFL to get into tonight. Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFL, or next hour, Charlie McBride. Lars Anderson from Tuscaloosa. In about 15 minutes, we welcome in Craig Maddock with us as his show, the In Play Podcast on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. Longtime legendary sportscaster in South Dakota. you know, Craig, it's been a while. Thanks for saying hey and, and taking time with us today. How are you? I'm good, and thanks for reading the intro that I sent you. Uh, that, that was that was that was good. Anytime you put legendary in there, that's pretty good. <laughs> well, it's all, it was in all it was in all caps. I had to make sure <laughs> <laughs> things are things are well. Things are things are crazy. I mean, with 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 college football, I know you know the Huskers are. It, it's always crazy, but you know, just recently now here in Sioux Falls and across South Dakota, everybody going crazy with Kalen DeBoer, and uh, it's kind of kind of fun to talk about him, a guy who, you know, a little kid from Millbank, South Dakota, 
Uh, and now look what he's doing now, the, one of the top programs in America. It's just totally crazy and, and good for him. It is awesome. And, and, Craig, you spoke with him on New Year's Day on your podcast. Any inkling at all? We didn't know Saban was going to step down. I mean, there had been a little smoke around. <laughs> is is St. Nick going to go step away? But this thing transpired pretty quickly, and it was a short, short list with – um, with with the athletic director at Alabama, Greg Byrne, and and you have uh, what an impression Kalen's made not just at Washington but throughout his entire career, and you've gotten a chance to see that up close. Well, it may have looked like it was a quick turnaround, but really it has not been. Um, in the background, uh, there have been a number of Division One programs who have made contact with with DeBoer over the last year. In fact, um, his offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb, who uh, he has been with Kalen DeBoer uh, since they were at the University of Sioux Falls. Ryan Grubb uh, took an airplane flight down to Tuscaloosa a year ago and uh, was offered the offensive coordinator job at Alabama with Nick Saban a year ago, but uh, Ryan Grubbs said, no, I'm going back to Washington. Now I have a feeling it's going to be tough for him to uh, say no to that again because I'm sure he's going back with Kalen. But I know that there were people um, associated with Alabama, and I know also there were people associated with Michigan that had been in contact with Kalen DeBoer over the past few months. And so during the playoffs, I, I knew that watching what was happening with Michigan, what was happening with Alabama, and I kind of felt that uh, that they were going to make the call to him if somebody else maybe didn't want it. But there were a handful of other football programs in Division One looking at Kalen DeBoer. And, Craig, there were rumors at this time last year, <laughs> uh, I guess a little bit before this, that Nebraska had been in contact with Kalen DeBoer, and essentially the answer was thanks, but no thanks. We don't know if those conversations actually happened for sure, but that was the rumor uh, a little over a year ago now. And I want to get your thoughts, knowing Kalen DeBoer, knowing the landscape of college football, what makes him a, a fit for Alabama outside of the football, the X's and the O's? As a guy, what makes him a fit for Tuscaloosa and, and to be the guy to follow up Nick Saban? He is a tremendous football mind, and what he has done, he has put people by him uh, to help him out with the recruiting and everything else. <clears throat> when he was at the University of Sioux Falls, he, you know, Chuck Morrell is defensive coordinator and Ryan Grubb is offensive coordinator. They were along the same hallway, and he could stand up in one, between one door and talk to two guys at the University of Washington, and it's, it's similar there at, uh, for Nebraska. You have over 40 up to 50 people that are in your room when you're, when you're talking about uh, team meetings. I mean, the, the staff, it is a, <clears throat> amazing the number in that staff. And what, he ha- and what he has done, he's a great football mind, but he's got Ryan Grubb, who's been with him since Sioux Falls. Chuck Morrell is the defensive coordinator. He's worked with the safeties. He was at one time a head coach in Montana Tech for a while. But these three guys have been together since they were at the University of Sioux Falls. And it's just crazy that those three guys have been the centerpiece of how they've put that football program together. And I would not be surprised uh, a name that may come out down the road here, too, is Curtis Riggs. 
Curtis Riggs was the quarterback who threw a bunch of passes to Kalen DeBoer when those two went and had a national championship at the University of Sioux Falls, <laughs> excuse me, back in 1996. Curtis Riggs, of course, uh, was the head coach of the Sioux Falls Storm National Indoor Football League. Folks from the Omaha Beef may remember uh, the name Curtis Riggs, Mm -hmm. but there's a chance that Curtis may be joining that program as well. Uh, And just all four of those guys, really good football minds, and it has worked whether Kalen was at Indiana or um, Southern Illinois, um, at Fresno State, at Washington, and now let's see what happens at, uh, at Alabama. Greg Maddox with us, longtime legend in South Dakota, and uh, his podcast, the In Play Podcast. Find that on Apple, Spotify, iTunes, as uh, he has watched and been a part of Galen DeBoer's career all the way back to, to Sioux Falls. And you want to hear a really interesting fun fact here? Curtis Riggs was the quarterback of the Sioux Falls Storm in 2003. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Omaha Beef. You know who their quarterback was in 2003? I know the name. Matt LaFleur. Uh, yeah, Matt LaFleur. Head coach of the Green what? Bay Packers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, LaFleur was... Good a, one. Yeah. I was doing uh, games, arena ball then. I think I went up to uh, to South Dakota and Sioux Falls after I left South Dakota, and I think the Beef put up a 76 spot with no running clock. Ouch. Much like Kalen DeBoer would put up 60 <laughs> spots on Nebraska Westland, uh, and there was no running <laughs> clock. <laughs> so you got to see a, a lot of Kalen a couple of years in a row. But what's his personality like? You mentioned uh, Millbank and uh, know that area and just climbing the ladder like he did, not really being afraid of any challenge, being confident. And I love the, the, the point that you made about how and who he surrounds himself with on his staff. But from a person, from a guy standpoint, sitting down having a beer with him or a cup of coffee or whatever the case, I mean, what kind of drives him, in your opinion, to take on this challenge? Well, he is he's just like you guys and me. We're we're so Midwestern. Okay. Yeah. Can we can we label ourselves Midwestern? We're wearing stocking um, caps, yes you, you can. know, we care about people. We care about people and he's down to earth and uh doesn't get too big on himself. You know, the biggest thing though, his biggest influence was his former coach at the University of Sioux Falls, Bob Young. Bob Young was revered by so many people around South Dakota, and of course, when he coached all those years at the University of Sioux Falls, he had a huge influence on Kalen DeBoer, not only maybe with his faith, but also the way he challenges and helps athletes. Um, he goes out of his, out of his way, and he, he won't end the day until he, he believes that he has helped his athletes. So um, he's a, he certainly feels like a coach's or a player's coach, but he is, he, <laughs> let, let's, here's a guy who's been in the spotlight, but every time I look at him, it still looks like us, you know, after a ball game going up to him and just saying, how you doing? And he'll come up and pat you on the back and say, how you doing? How's the family? Hope things are well. Just, just an amazing, great guy. And a lot of folks in South Dakota are going to be, uh, I don't think they're going to be wearing crimson a lot, but at least they're going to be following Alabama down the road. Well, I was going to ask how many how many <clears throat> South Dakotans are going to make the the trek down to Tuscaloosa for a ball game. I'm mm-hmm. sure that's got to be in the works. We were 
we were excited for next year because, let's face it, Washington and the, the Pac-12 or 10, yeah. whatever, becoming members of the Big Ten, where eventually, you know, Washington is going to go to Nebraska and play. And uh, we were looking forward to maybe seeing him play Minnesota and Iowa in the Big Big Ten. But now it's going to be a little tougher to see uh, – Alabama is Alabama going to play Nebraska at home here anytime soon? Is that on the schedule? Not not a home and home. The expansion continues uh, with the Big Ten, as you know. So you're getting a lot of good home and road games with the expanded Big Ten, and it's it's a divisionless setup now. I think Tennessee's on on the slate. I think Oklahoma's on the slate. I think Arizona's on the slate for now. The the Buffs and Coach Prime come to town next year. So some of the non-cons are a lot of fun, but, I mean, each week is going to be pretty treacherous. That was a long-winded way to say, no, we don't want Bama. I would, well, (laughs) hey, let's be honest. At some point, the expectation is for each school to see one another in the 12-team playoff. Well, what's going to be neat, too, is that, you know, South Dakota now has two coaches in the SEC from South Dakota. Uh, Josh Heupel, who is from Aberdeen, uh, he is, of course, at Tennessee. So when Tennessee and Alabama play each other, you got a couple of coaches from South Dakota who will be going at it. So potentially South Dakota, the next future hotbed of college football? Wow. Uh, They they have been on a great run. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think you're going to see what Kalen DeBoer has done in a while. It is a special story, and... I mean, as a head coach, he's a hundred and four and twelve. Have you ever covered? Record. Have you ever covered a game he lost? Um, I w- was involved when they lost in the NAIA national championship to a Carroll College. It was like fifty to nothing. Oh. It was. Uh, it was one of those games where the Cougars did not bring the right spikes for their shoes, and it was slippery. It was icy. And Carroll just ran all over him. So it hasn't happened very often with, with Coach DeBoer. Craig, before we say goodbye, tell, uh, tell Nebraska fans uh, a little bit about your podcast. And we know you can uh, hear it on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. But, but what you're doing with the pod? Yeah, you can go to SDPB Sports on Facebook and Twitter and then just slash in play. And uh, I'm in my fourth year with the podcast. I've been with public broadcasting for over 20 years. Um, I do the uh, TV championships with football and wrestling and basketball and soccer and softball. It's a great time. And uh, the podcast, though, I, I feature former coaches and athletes and administrators here in South Dakota. In fact, one of my last podcasts, Mark Manning, the head wrestling coach there at Nebraska, he is a Vermilion, South Dakota native. He is a, a four-time state wrestling champ. I had a chance to talk to Mark. Uh, I was in Vermilion at the time that he was winning championships. And a fun conversation with that podcast. So there's a Nebraska connection for you folks to uh, go to in-play and really appreciate that. No no worries. Uh, Mark Manning, one of our favorites. Craig, we'll do this again. Appreciate your time and insight today. You take care. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. There he is, Mark, uh, with us, uh, Craig Maddock with us on Hale Varsity. Quick time out, Husker basketball. Got to bounce back on Wednesday. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, we're dressed like 
South Park kids today and working on his nan, Tan, down in uh, Alabama. Lars Anderson, a New York Times bestselling author, midday host to Tide 100 at Lars Anderson 71 on Twitter's where you find Lars. Lars, how has the uh, the last 48 to 72 hours been, starting with the Saban bombshell of retirement? And then uh, you fast forward quickly as A.D. Byrne moved quickly and got uh, one of the best coaches, uh, just not at Washington, but in college football, wherever his stops have been, and that's Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, uh, I love the hire. Um, but going back to when Nick announced his retirement, uh, I was absolutely shocked. Absolutely shocked. I mean, I feel like I know him very, very well. Written two books on him and just, uh, you know, 20 different long-form magazine stories probably. And I have absolutely zero inclination that he was going to walk away. Um, I still don't think we really have the full reason. Uh, there's a lot of rumors here in, uh, in Tuscaloosa and Birmingham about the health of a family member, but I've also been told um, by a writer who has basically been embedded with Nick for this year for a book that once he got back from the Rose Bowl, a couple of his stud young players came into his office and uh, demanded money. They, that they didn't uh, feel like they were getting compensated enough with their NIL deal. And Nick has uh, was explained to my buddy in an email, Miss Terry. Uh, Nick felt like it was extortion, and just enough is enough. And he is he's a coach that craves control. I mean, all coaches do, but he is uh, someone who absolutely will go bonkers if he's not in control of every sort of of every facet of his program. And I think uh, he just hates where college football is going. And I think there could be that and a, and a health issue. And also, you know, he did seem to lose a little bit of steam this last year. I mean, he is 72. And uh, and I, I think you could just tell that this was a very difficult year for him. And, um, again, this, uh, this NIL stuff uh, is not where he wants – he doesn't want to be dealing with players because players – Players now have more power than they've ever had before, especially when some of these guys are making more than the majority of the assistants on staff. And that creates a lot of problems, a lot of problems in managing the locker room. As you know, I mean, every school is dealing with this. And I just don't, I don't think Nick uh, just has an appetite for it anymore. And, um, you know, I think in his mind, too, uh, winning the SEC championship was a really big deal and stopping Georgia and Kirby Smart from getting their third national championship in a row, just something Nick Saban's never done. And so, you know, they they put that sort of dynasty on hold for a while. I think Nick feels pretty good about how he's leaving the shape of the program. There have been a lot of kids who have defected uh, or have uh, entered the transfer portal, but I think the board might be able to get some of them out. And, you know, as a Midwesterner at heart, uh, as you know, Chris grew up there in Lincoln. My family is all from South Dakota. 
So I love the fact that a bunch of South Dakotans coming into Tuscaloosa <laughs> to save the program. And, and, I mean, it's like it's crazy. You know, like half of the guys on the staff, they were coaching NAIA not long ago in tiny Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which uh, I assume you probably spent some time there, Chris. I have. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, year. The, yep. holo- the Holodome. The, uh, the Empire Mall, the Empire deal. Mall, brother, the last standing Abercrombie and Fitch, my friend. I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding, of course. I want to. What about Saban going to a a college football czar type position? I know that's been talked about. If if anyone can get it back on track, or at least have some parameters built in, would Saban like that administrative role? Would he transition to that? Possibly. Possibly. I think he's going to sit out this year and then maybe, or maybe he'll do a little bit of TV here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, he is still keeping an office in, on, on campus, the Mount Moore athletic facility. Um, and I think he plans on going to, to practices. And I think right now he's trying to help the board to, to keep some of the kids from entering the transfer portal. But um yeah, no, we, we, he, he's talked about that, but it's just the, the logistics of making it happen. Right. Right? Is it going to be the NCAA that that implements a or creates a new position? Um, yeah, I mean, it, that's, uh, I mean, it, you know, pie in the sky talk, it would be great because he, Nick has a way of seeing things before they actually happen. And uh, he's really good at, at, at diagnosing sort of where the game is going, and um, yeah, he would he, he would be great in that role. But uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's just been stunning. I, I, it's just uh, you know I was on campus on Thursday, the day after. Um, it was the first day of uh, classes for for me. Um, teaching two classes on Thursday and uh, the students were just um, like just sad I think is the best way to put it uh, they were uh, shocked because you know I went around the room in both my classes told about 35 kids and of the 35 probably 33 said the reason they came to Alabama was because of Nick Saban and the football program I mean <laughs> It's crazy again, but I'm teaching sports journalism, so sure. uh, that would make sense. However, um, you know, just the the impact he's had, and and uh, Greg Byrne, um, I think he's one of the best ads, if not the best ad in the country, mainly because he he spent most of his youth in Lincoln, Nebraska, the son of uh, Bill Byrne, and uh, and and Greg's just been around sort of every possible situation that an AD can, can confront. And what I really appreciate about him appreciate about him is that he doesn't go out and spend $5 million on a search firm. He's, he's a one-man search firm, and he doesn't tell anybody what he's doing. He just gets on the, uh, the private jet and goes off into the wild blue yonder and and nobody really knows where he's going, and that's what he did when he hired Nate Oates, the uh, basketball coach, who has had amazing success. And uh, I think DeBoer really was his maybe second target uh, behind the Oregon coach, mm-hmm. um, Lanning. But um, I do think 
know, he just he wanted to get somebody who was kind of outside of the SEC footprint. And I know Lanning spent a little bit of time in Tuscaloosa, but but he just uh, you know it's it's tough because you don't and it's, it's obvious too that you don't want to be the the coach who follows the legend because of the shadow that the legend casts is so wide and long and hard to get out of. But at the same time, this is a hell of an opportunity for a guy that was coaching NAIA football not long ago. And um, I think he's going to make the most of it. He seems very sincere. He seems very Midwestern. And, um, you know, so far he's made a really good impression on Alabama people. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Lars Anderson, a New York Times bestselling author, midday host to Tide 100 at Lars Anderson 71 on Twitter's where you find Lars. Lars, you mentioned the the Saban shadow and, and Saban keeping his office on campus. I've seen two sides to this. One side, there's a group of people saying, Man, tough for DeBoer that, that Saban's going to be looking over your shoulder and, and controlling your decisions as you try to, to install your brand at Alabama. But then on the flip side, I've seen people saying, well, there's no better person than one of the best in college football to have in your corner as a part of your, your support system. What's your take on, on Saban's continued influence over Alabama as, as DeBoer takes control? I think, I think Nick is going to be very um, careful not to, uh, you know, hog the spotlight and really to stay out of it and sort of stay in the background and make sure that everybody knows that this is DeBoer's team and going to be, you know, sort of created in his likeness. But at the same time, if you're DeBoer, I mean, DeBoer's in, it's, it's a tough situation. I mean, imagine, you know, if uh, the next guy after Tom Osborne would have never had any affiliation with the University of Nebraska. Um you know, with Solich, it seemed seamless and good at the time, and and uh, the athletic director, the athletic staff, really messed that up at Nebraska. Um, but yeah, I think I think Nick is going to be very cognizant of, uh, of of not trying to appear to be overbearing. Um, but at the same time, if you're DeBoer, you definitely have to, you know, welcome him with open arms and. And it's 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 tough coming from the Pacific Northwest and uh, not really having any you know recruiting relationships with high school coaches in the South. Um, and I, I know he's going to focus on hiring guys who have reputations as really good recruiters, but still, it's recruiting is really like journalism, relationship-based business, and. DeBoer simply doesn't have a relationship with any of the coaches who are 500 miles around the university, and that's really where Saban did so well was uh, cultivating those relationships and and um, and you know just having wide open dialogue with all these different uh, high school coaches. And DeBoer starting at zero, you know, and <laughs> it's going to be tough. Uh, Auburn people here are hoping that he is the second coming of Brian Harson, the uh, dumpster fire of a coach at Auburn coming from Boise um, in a very kind of similar situation. But um, I think DeBoer's going to do a really good job. Are you guys, have you guys been impressed with him? Yeah, he's I've, as Midwest as Midwest comes. He's, he's even keel. He's climbed a ladder with him and his staff. He's taken really tough jobs. 
and he's won. And and I mean I, the, the recruiting base he set up in Northern California with his two tours at Fresno, his connections to Florida through Indiana because they recruited Florida uh, were 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 good. And he'll if he doesn't know it, he's going to listen and he's going to hire the right people, I believe, to surround himself with. Not only is his own guys coming with him to, from to, from Washington, but I think he'll. He'll, he'll keep who he can and who want to stay with him on at Alabama to cut down that that tourist type, uh, you know, stamp on him. And, and I think maybe most importantly with him is how he welcomes, embraces, and thrives in the modern era of college football. Yeah. Sim- simply yeah. put, with his short stays, he's used the transfer portal well, got some good pieces in recruiting. He, he just seems to understand the modern college football where it's going. Lars, will do this again. Be well, and thanks for a few minutes with us. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. This is Christian Peter. I'm sorry, but the stories I have about Charlie are not appropriate for the public. The right case of the Mondays. It's Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, on Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cordhead Lager. It is that time the Blackshirt Hour kicks off. Mr. Blackshirt himself, a Monday with Charlie. Coach Charlie McBride with us. Coach, how we doing? Are you trying to stay warm? We're all just kind of de-icing here over the, uh, the the weekend. How are you? Well, I went out to see how my truck was going, and it didn't make a sound. It was so quiet. So it's frozen stiff, and I couldn't get in it, first of all. It took me about 10 minutes to get get the door open <laughs> so i you know it's it's been uh, really cold i mean it's you know we i'm sure we hit 10 below before you know sometime during the night okay. we had about seven this morning or minus seven when i got up and but the thing they did is call up the wind we had a wind uh uh warning and, and they called it off so it's been pretty quiet you know there hasn't been a lot of wind and when you don't have the wind and you have the sun, you're at least going to know, know you're going to stay alive. I got to ask you, all those years on the sideline, how'd you stay warm? And the topic of no sleeves, because none of your defensive linemen wore sleeves. Was that... Uh, was well, that, yeah, was that about, go ahead. They're nuts anyway, you know. I mean, <laughs> but I, we went to... And we went down to Iowa State one time and uh, played in the wind tunnel when they didn't mm-hmm. have the buildings, you know, when they didn't have their new stuff. And it was a ground blizzard uh, on the field. And I had left all my winter stuff at home, so I was in a um, like a windbreaker. And you talk about, I thought I was dead. It was really cold. And I just kept my mouth shut. I didn't want to tell anybody how stupid I was. Well, Charlie, the, the, the positive is, is now that you're retired, you don't have to be down on the sideline. And the, the cold weather gives you a perfect excuse to not leave your couch all weekend. Nobody can say anything. You can just point outside and say, my alternative's going out there. No, thank you. I'll watch football. You, you have the perfect excuse for an NFL wild card weekend. Yeah, but I'd be lying. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that's... The hardest thing in the world is is cold weather when you're coaching. I think um, 
But, you know, you, we were lucky. I, all the years I was there, I think I only remember really snow maybe one or two times during practice. And, um, you know, so it wasn't that bad. And we didn't get any really downright big storms when we were playing. We had some crappy weather. But other than that, it was, you know, I, I, my years there, was, I was pretty lucky. We were pretty lucky. Well, yeah, a number of Nebraska players have started moving in. That was part of the, the video montage yesterday where uh, kids from all over, some Midwest, some not Midwest, are, uh, are finding out about uh, the uh, warm and cozy Januaries in Lincoln. But just touch on just the importance of getting guys in early and, and what early enrollment does, not only for the quarterbacks when we talk about Riola and Kalen, but also some of the, the linemen, getting them acclimated to, to college football. Well, I think the biggest thing is, is them just being together. I think if, if you have had any uh, – I've kind of been around, so I've been watching some of the Big Ten Channel stuff where people have gone on trips. Mm-hmm. you know, with their team, and whether it's basketball or football or whatever it is, and it makes a big difference. And I, you know, if you if you listen to some of the stuff the kids from Michigan talked about, I mean, they talked about being together since they were freshmen. And, you know, they, they, they've been working for this, and it wasn't a one-year thing. It was, uh, you know, their whole time there. And, um, you know, there's, there was a lot of loyal kids. I know he said one time we only had a couple of guys leave. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that's, that's important, I think. And even now when you get a few of the guys from the portal, that's as hard for them as it is for some of the young guys that have been there and, and maybe been, you know, almost starters. And now they're going to have to really fight for their jobs and, stuff like that and so you, you hope everything works out right because uh, uh, you know they won't even know each other for half the season even no matter what you do but usually the summertime is a time when kids start you know forming what they feel like their team is and you know what they what their goals are by themselves rather than have some coach write them on the board or some crazy thing like that that they decide themselves how what they want to, you know, do. Charlie McBride's with us on Monday with Charlie. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, uh, interested to get your thoughts on a dear friend of yours. Well, two of them, really. Uh, Belichick and Saban. St. Nick stepping down. Uh, we really like Kalen DeBoer. We spent a lot of the, the last hour talking with some folks that – have been around him and his career, but are you surprised at Nick stepping away? No. I, I think, you know, you can almost look at what Frank did. I think they're both about the same age, and I, I know at one time they mentioned that Frank was the oldest active coach at one time, and he's only about – they're about a year apart. <clears throat> and so, you know, I, you know that, that, that's something, you know, when you, you, you feel it, you, you know, you lose your – your interest a little bit, and you're, you know you're you're not keeping up with your kids, and and then the changes that are made, uh, I think it makes it harder for for coaching right now. You're scrambling the whole year, 
uh, there's there's got to be some time to breathe, and there's not really right now. It's uh, you know it's recruiting year round, and it's all kinds of crazy things that I think they got to get uh, you know straightened out. So you know the the coaches have at least some time to settle down and be with their families and stuff like that. It's Charlie McBride with us here a Monday with Charlie on Hale Varsity Radio, and Coach. Whenever you factor in these guys' age, if they called you up and said, "Hey, should I keep on coaching or should I, should I enjoy retirement?" What would you advise them to go do? Both of them being uh, seventy plus years old now. You mean for the old guys? For for Belichick and for Saban, yeah, sure. Oh, that well, they'll they'll stay involved in football. I'll promise you, some way, you know, they'll 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 be around it. They that. They can't, you know. Knowing Nick, he he, he couldn't. He has to go to the office every day. I, I'm sure he's going to be doing something. I mean, and and people have talked about him being part of this, uh, you know, committee or being part of the, something maybe in the higher up area of, um, you know, this whole new regime that's going to be coming in and making the rules and doing stuff like that. And if there's anybody that knows. You know what's going on, and Nick has spent a lot of time, you know, make trying to make football better, and just uh, by talking and 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 talking with other coaches and things like that. So he's he's really well respected, and and you'll find out he's not afraid to say what he thinks, and that that's the important thing that you don't start hiding stuff from people. You let them have it right away, and 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 that's that's the best thing to do is come out with what your feelings are, and I'm sure in a in a closed session he'd do that, but he'll do it. He'll tell you everything that that's going on, and you know, and he's he's hard nosed at it, and and so that's what you need to have. I think you need to have somebody that's going to be honest with everybody, and and you know get get what everybody's feeling i think once you are honest they know that that they can be honest too and uh so it's going to be interesting to see what happens to both of them uh, i think uh, belichick being in the other league he may end up still coaching for a little bit but i i i don't know that you know but because uh, he's of the age where he could take it but i think in the nfl uh you know, it's a little different, uh, especially for the head coach. Sometimes when they get into the, you know, the, what we would call the recruiting part or the, you know, the part where they're deciding on players, a lot of those head coaches don't have a say. And some of them are general managers, you know, so there's all kinds of different things going on. And as you know now, uh, you know, don't pack, don't unpack your bags. The NFL is like you said, NFL not for long. That's what it stands for. Twenty-four years for Belichick with New England, and it was kind of sad to see his press conference. I mean, he was full of gratitude. Him and Kraft both took the high road. Nick, uh, Nick, uh, uh, Bill had been in charge of personnel and some of those personnel decisions hadn't panned out like previous years. I think he'll end up somewhere. He could end up in Atlanta. He could end up in Dallas if Dallas makes a move. But tell us a little bit about your time around Belichick because I know you knew his dad pretty well and 
I mean, he's yeah. he's as good as it gets, and I don't see him sitting on his hands at all. I see him fielding some offers as long as he can have that control. Right. And he, he's always been that kind of a person. He's always been a straightforward guy, and that that's what I think a lot of coaches that you know, don't don't try to trick. You know, you you might be able to trick the fans, but don't trick the players. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I mean meaning the admission and everybody that's contained underneath you. And I think that's where he stood. Uh, uh, and he what he wanted to do, uh, it was done. I mean, he's the head guy, and uh, he had some, some coaches. I don't know that they have as much power. Is Bill had you know uh, a lot of times it's the the owner and that owner uh, you think is involved in it you know as much as there is and he he might not be what you he might be not what you see uh, he he may just say this is yours and that's it is the, as they do in Kansas City I think that's that's kind of the way that's run is. Uh, the owner actually doesn't get involved in the football part of it. That's up to the, you know, that's up to those guys that are working for him. And I think that's probably the way he runs his business. Was it a tough call for you to to say no to the NFL? Because I know you had lots of phone calls. Well, the, I had I had I had made a promise to myself that I would. You know that I wanted my kids to say where they were from, and and it was hard for me to even uh, you know I, when I started out, it was hard for me to leave Arizona State when I was just a young guy, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know when I look back on it, it was the best thing for me, uh, and I did go to Wisconsin for seven years and uh, had a great thing there, and then that, that, the the way it was broken up was the, the head coach was going to resign in a year or so. And he ended up having a heart transplant and, and eventually passed away. And so that wasn't, that wasn't, I, but I stayed with him the whole time. And I think the one thing I learned when I was, when I was young and all the way through, I think my high school coach was one that preached loyalty. And, you know, I, that's part of what the game was. I thought, you know, it, it, it wasn't the money that, you know, it was, the money was okay, and you fought for whatever you could get, but it isn't like it's flowing around now. <laughs> you know, it, it isn't anything like that. And I know some kid, kids are even getting to a point where uh, some of the older kids or some of the fours and five-star guys are, you know, asking for money just to visit. And, you know, that kind of stuff, it's out of hand. And you know, and they've got to get a hold of all that kind of thing and and stuff like that. And people are getting accused now of buying football teams and things like that. And that's that's not where college football should be. And I noticed one person said the other day that um, uh, what did we forget the name stu- student? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all about football. You never heard of student athlete anymore. So all just football and how much is this and how much is that and that doesn't do anything but you know create some kind of a you know hard feelings sometimes among everybody i mean you know some schools have it some schools don't Mm -hmm. and that's where the problem is and the rich get richer and the poor get poorer 
Coach, we'll check in with you next Monday. We'll talk some NFL, some more NFL next Monday, and you get that truck started, all right? You stay warm and you yeah, stay safe. I'll try. They'll be moving their feet now this next couple of weeks, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, these owners get crazy. You know, and if you go to many of the places, all you do is, best thing a lot of them do is go have a couple of drinks and then start making decisions they wish they never made. <laughs> you need another round? <laughs> another zero, I mean, excuse me? <laughs> right. Uh, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, a Monday with Charlie. Reminds me of some of the stories we heard from Lars about Jason Light on Tampa. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, good old Jason, uh, one of Charlie's favorites. Coach, you take care, and we'll check in next okay. week, okay? Thanks, guys. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Right. Bye. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. Good to hear from him. Plenty of things covered there. Reminder about buckling up. It is icy. It is still slick. In many parts of the state, uh, use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries. Only if properly worn, make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Podcast always there for you with Hale Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating. Tell a friend. Download. Subscribe that way. You can get to the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Watch the show. It streams every day, Monday through Saturday. And, of course, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. Find that at H Varsity Radio. Blackshirt Hour continues. Jay Moore with us next to Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red, and NFL vet. He's Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and the Blackshirt Hour continues. It's Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFL or co-host, Big Red Wrap-Up. And uh, Jay, if you're watching, the video is is not in a bobcat, but he's uh, he's in a uh, it is four wheel drive. No heat, Jay. I mean, you're wearing sleeves today, but you're still going no heat to do this interview. You are all yeah. football ready. No, it's good. Well, I need you know, got to have the right audio. You just can't have you know. It's important to have the right. You, you got to have the everything in, in perfect place to chat with you guys. So I, I figured if. <laughs> Didn't want the Bluetooth getting interfered, all that stuff. So we have to have the right uh, the right setting. And you have, you have a, a good Monday afternoon chat. You have the soft walls, the seats, and the, the soft walls. It all absorbs sound in a car. Car, not a terrible second location if you don't have a studio recording at home. You know, I, I like the advice, but I, you know, it kind of <laughs> could have been crazy to do uh, do a do a hit from the bowling alley. Uh, Junior's bowling right now, bowling for dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's over at Parkway. They're, uh, he's having a Caucasian and saying... Yeah, there, <laughs> waiting to pick him up, but him and his buddies just put a parlay together on the on the Bills-Steelers game that's that's just kicked off. So uh, they got that. He said, come back and get us in a little bit. Let us let us see this first half bets go out. He's going to be he's going to he's going to be hammering menthols and be seven pitchers deep. <laughs> That's too good. And he's going to lose all his winnings on Keno. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny. That's good. Well, let's start out and talk a little NFL from the weekend, and we'll hit some college football too with Saban and DeBoer. Get your thoughts on that, but. Any surprises for you? I thought Cleveland was going to 
handle business. They got rocked. Stroud looks incredible. So does Jordan Love. My God, Green Bay's a whole different animal. Jay Bird, you got young quarterbacks in the NFL that absorb some ups and downs. This was a talking point of ours early earlier and, and kind of came through it. And, and man, they're, they're settled in and they're playing confident. Uh, different animal with, with Dylan Riola. But I ask this because do you just think quarterbacks, the right quarterbacks, are already earlier? Is that a fair question? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question because obviously, you know, C.J. Stroud, ready early. Jordan Love obviously sat behind Rodgers for, you know, a few years and looks exactly like Aaron Rodgers playing. I haven't watched a ton of Green Bay games this year, but I'm like, oh, my gosh, the way he kind of throws the football, the sidearm, it's like that's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but I think to each and everyone's a different situation. I think – depending on the offenses that guys are running in college, depending on the coaching they got, uh, depending on the systems they get thrown into right in the NFL, uh, it might take them longer to to progress and kind of understand everything. So I don't think everyone is just like, oh, gosh, look at C.J. Stroud. You know, as a, as a first-year quarterback, you can be, you know, uh, you can lead your team to the divisional playoffs and, you know, be an all-pro. I don't think it's that easy. I think C.J. Stroud's just that good. Uh, and I think uh, D'Amico Ryan's is really head, really good head coach in in Houston, and got him in the right situation. So I just think everything's different. But it's fun. To, it's fun to see uh, these young players, you know, get their chance, and then obviously when the opportunity presents itself to capitalize, uh, it just kind of the we've seen it. You know, the the changing of the guard per se here in the last you know few years. Obviously with Brady retiring, Aaron Rodgers getting. Uh, older, obviously, still trying to play, but you've seen the the Burrows and the the Allens, uh, the Mahomes, uh, the, the Justin Herberts. Now you got to start throwing C.J. Stroud in there. Maybe you start, you know, is uh, Love getting into this uh, introduction, you know, into this crowd because of depending on how you know far Green Bay is able to go. So it's just it's a QB driven league. This game is QB driven, and uh, there's some damn good ones playing right now. Well, Jay, it's interesting to see how. There was two different young quarterbacks really succeeding over the weekend, and they were handled in different ways where Stroud's thrown into the fire and he really rises to the occasion and, and has an, an, an MVP caliber performance this season. No, he didn't win MVP, but he was legitimately in that discussion for a little bit this season, and he, he showed why on Saturday. Then you have Love, who sat behind Rodgers, got some playing time at the end of last year, didn't perform great. Instead of bringing in any real competition, the Packers said, you know what, we're going to give you another full year to really get your feet wet. And something changed for him during the bye week. That team just came on so strong in the second half. Jordan Love, especially with his crazy touchdown to interception rate. And it's interesting to see that that the old way and the new way of the NFL both worked in finding a team's quarterback for the future. At least it feels like with the Packers in Love and, and the Texans in Stroud. They handle it in their, their separate ways, but they both get a similar feeling result. Yeah, it's it all. It's 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 you know the world of trying to make sense of it all. You know, and like we are trying now. It's just it's you just can't really make sense of it. You just got to appreciate it. Uh, why does you know why does year one and CJ Stroud work? Why does other QB step in year one and they struggle? You know, heavily. Um, it's just depend. You know, different uh, different playbooks and in different organizations. There's good organizations. There's bad organizations. And how they handle you know, young players, but it's it's fun to see, you know, love progress. You know, it's fun to see Stroud step in. And obviously, you know, I mean, when he was healthier, you know, 
through the first part, middle of the season, you know, the, the Texans were tough. And then they struggled a little bit there when he got hurt. So obviously he is, he's the real deal. Um, but just the NFL in, in general, it has been, you bring a guy in, you let him sit for three to four years, you let him learn and, and develop and process. But the football's, you know, football's changing and not changing. Um, I would say drastically, but just the amount of the, the coaching and the education, uh, I think it's just starting earlier for kids to understand it at a much younger level, middle school to high school, high school to college. It's just they're able to grasp information just with technology and all these things. So uh, you just see kids, you know, and guys can step in right away at the NFL and, 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 and play very successful at, for the most part. You know, there's probably some other guys, uh, you know, that in the last couple of years that have struggled in, in their earlier in their careers. But uh, what C.J. Stroud's doing is, 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 it is very, very impressive. Super important uh, to get to that right situation like uh, Joe Burrow landed with Zach. Uh, you have Green Bay, the, uh, the picture of quarterback picking and development. I mean, two, three quarterbacks in 30 years and not to anoint Jordan Love yet, but Man, he uh, he really flipped a switch, which is important and impressive. I think all you need to know about Love is that Bears fans are terrified of that performance yesterday. Oh, completely. <laughs> no, and, and, well, they are. You, you look at you look at uh, Chicago's situation. I mean, yeah, I mean they they may right. move on uh, yeah. for, and, and get a, a bunch of picks from Atlanta and and go with Kayla Williams. Yeah, it's it's that's case in point right there. I, I was trying to think of you know other quarterbacks. I mean, Justin Fields, mm-hmm. you know, a, a top pick and just. The Bears is just they they're a good organization, but just haven't got the right guys and, and staff in there to kind of to figure it out. Uh, you just, I mean, I look at other successful college coach, you know, of uh, QBs. Marcus Mariota struggled, mm-hmm. you know, coming out. I, I, uh, I the Falcons uh, had a drafted a quarterback. He's he struggled struggled you know at times. Um, it's just it's hard, and I do I truly believe it's about getting the right mix of coach the staff with the organization, and then getting players in the right position in the right mindset because sometimes that's just there's some bad coaches in the nfl trust me mm-hmm. I've, I've seen some um and they can just egos and and just all that stuff just gets it's it become a mess I and mean, you get a a young kid that's given the keys to the franchise and a whole bunch of money uh it, it can be a very stressful situation so it the the chemistry matters so much uh, and that's why you see teams obviously go through the due diligence that they do now to, to draft a guy because they, they know it has to work and you have to land a guy and you have to hit early on. Otherwise, it sets your franchise back years. Mm. And, uh, I mean, you, the Lions are just finally getting out of it, right, of setting their, setting their franchise back. So they, you gotta you got to go through everything with a fine-tooth comb and, and find the right GM, head coach, and quarterbacks and or your top picks to – to fit what your team needs. As a Broncos fan, Jay, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we won't go into that. Uh, oh, but... Paxton Lynch to Simeon to Russell Wilson and seven other guys I'm not even naming. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that old John. Uh, <laughs> he was supposed to make it better, not, uh, not worse. Yep. Jay, let's get your take on Saban stepping away and Kalen DeBoer, a Midwest dude that uh, said, you know what? I'll I'll take that challenge and that shadow that animal on of of Alabama as he's rolling tide. Yeah, not uh, not totally surprised. You, we'd heard Saban potentially stepping down this year. You know, just of the 
obviously the age is one thing, but kind of getting frustrated just the way with college football is kind of going and trending. I think that was uh, part of his decision too. But you, you know, you early you hear of uh, Landing, Oregon. You hear uh, Norvell, Florida State, and they put out Landing put that great social media post. Uh, Norvell, you know, piped up. I, maybe heard Lane Kiffin stepping in there. But DeBoer makes a whole hell of a lot of sense in this situation. A guy that's done it at every level. I would got to think Nick Saban has some input on, on you know, who they're reaching out to and who thinks a viable option to, to take over. But what, what uh, DeBoer's done, at, you know, at, in Sioux Falls, you know, in South Dakota, at, at the NAI level to, uh, you know, being coaching at, you know, as an OC at Indiana to being the head coach at Fresno State, uh, all those different scenarios, he's won. He's produced and uh, turned Washington around really quickly. Um, you know, get another national championship game. So this, it's a excellent opportunity. I just, it, it takes a guy with some massive stones to go there and, <laughs> and take after Saban, though. I mean, you have to be damn sure of yourself and uh, sure that, you know, have a good uh, communication with that, that leg department because it's, it's, you're taking over a guy with what, six, seven national championships and, and the winning percentage he had there from 2007 until now is just, it's it's remarkable, uh, but I think I think that's a guy that's up for the challenge, and it's going to be kind of just is it uh, do they take a step back? You know, early on with the board, you, you see, you've seen some uh, some transfers from from um, Alabama. You, he might get some guys to leave what Washington and, and come to and to come to Alabama too. But do they take a step back uh, with the with Texas and Oklahoma stepping in next year or? Is it just business as usual for Alabama? And, you know, they're, it's 10, 11, 12 wins, and, you know, they're playing an SEC championship game every year. It's going to be kind of fun to see this process go down because we know what the process is after a legend steps down and you have a guy come in. It's it's not the easiest task in the world. More thoughts with Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFL. A reminder about uh, pro volleyball. The Supernova is going to hit the court for the first ever Pro Volleyball Federation match January 24th against the Atlanta Vibe. Get your tickets now. First serve at 7 p.m. at CHI. Log on now, supernovas.com, for your season tickets or your single match uh, tickets, supernovas.com. Jay Moore back with us on Hale Varsity. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore's with us, Blackshirt Husker, NFL, or Hale Varsity Radio. So we're talking uh, the world of college football. All right, the carousel is spinning crazily to the NFL. And what does your gut tell you about Harbaugh? You didn't, you weren't in Frisco when, when Jimbo was there. Uh, but you're you know what happened with some of your mates, and you went to a you know the Niners went to a Super Bowl under him. Uh, it sounds like he is interviewing with the Chargers, the the Raiders open, Vrabel's out there. Do you think Belichick ends up in Dallas? Uh, kind of throw your dart, if you will, for some of these NFL openings and some of these names you know that that need to find a new address. Yeah. I think Harbaugh he wants he wants to he wants another shot at the NFL. I think he went back to his alma mater, got them obviously a national championship, got into some sticky situations of which we've you know discussed at length. Uh, but I think he wants another shot. And Chargers he spent some time 
part of his career, I believe, with the Chargers. So that makes sense to, to go out there and, and try to fix that situation. And he's got a great quarterback and, you know, some good, great talent that honestly just underachieved this year uh, to step in there and get them right. I think any team that's looking for a coach is you got to look at Mike Vrabel. He is a fantastic coach, smart, very, very smart, but a player's coach. Anymore, that's what you need in the NFL. You need a player's coach. Season's so long. Season's a grind. Uh, you have to have great relationships, and you have to kind of be able to say, hey, I mean, Bra- you know, Vrabel's only been retired for, you know, what, 10, 10 years maybe? I don't know how long he's, he's gotten into the coaching business, but, he, I mean, he won all the Super Bowls with Brady. So he knows he knows what it is to go through the grind and play at a high level and how to take care of your body and take care of his players. So I would um, – you got to look at him. I think the Raiders should probably keep Antonio Pierce, another player's coach. I would lean that way. Uh, this the how they were able to kind of turn around and be competitive um, in the second half of the year once he stepped in. Uh, you like him. You know, I don't know where, you know, like a team like the Falcons look. I don't know where the team like maybe, the you know, the commanders look. Um, Belichick's obviously a name out there that has been linked to potentially the Cowboys job, having the relationship with Jerry Jones. So that's going to be kind of interesting to see and, and shake out here the next, what, week or so, you'd think, if Jerry Jones wants to wants to move on from McCarthy. So um, I, I think Pierce for sure, Raiders, I would say Harbaugh, I would make sense to land with the Chargers or who or another NFL team because there's, there's there's a ton there's gonna be some options and he hired an NFL agent. I could see Belichick with the Cowboys. I I don't know. Vrabel could go. I mean, Vrabel could go to the Commanders. Vrabel could go to the Falcons. I think uh, he could take a year off if he wanted to. If uh, if Ohio State loses again next year to Michigan to Michigan, who knows what Ryan Day situation is? Does he, does he want to step in at Ohio State and take on that animal? But. Uh, I know if I'm if I'm the Falcons or the Commanders or even the Cowboys in this situation, I'm knocking on I'm 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 calling Mike Vrabel to see uh, to see how he feels about their their job because uh, he's a he's a hell of a football coach. Jay, if you were in the the shoes of one of these coaches currently jobless, going around hitting the the interview process, which team do you think is is best set up for success? And, and I know obviously personalities and coaching style matter in this conversation, but if you take all that out of it and you're just looking purely at the roster. Which team do you think is most set up for success for a potential new head coach? I'd say the Chargers. Herbert. I mean, it's, it's we just talked about QB driven league. They got a, they got a good one. I know he's banged up this year. You keep him healthy. Uh, they got some good guys defensively, uh, offensively. There's some there's some talent there uh, besides Herbert in in LA. So I, I would say them. I mean, if Dallas makes a move, <laughs> you they're they're obviously. That defense is ridiculously good. You know, Atlanta and the NFC South was just a back and forth grind. A, you know, a nine and eight team wins that division. Uh, the the Commanders are probably in the worst situation. And that defense was atrocious this year. Uh, you know, who do they do they lean on? You know, their their QB situation. Um, kind of some guys who've grinded it out and and uh, you know, not not a they don't have a sexy name at, at QB right now there. So. I would definitely say Chargers are 1A for me. And then if, if you know, if the Cowboys make a move, then you got to think, you know, Jerry Jones and whoever he go, you know, would go and get would be, you know, just another battle with the Eagles every year in the, you know, in the East going forward. Well, the, the list is long with Tennessee, Washington, Atlanta, Seattle, Chargers, Carolina, open, Philly could come open. 
Uh, that's uh, some storm clouds there with Sirianni. Dallas could come open. And, yeah, you've got a small pool of candidates. I like your AP take on, on Vegas. I like your take on on the Chargers with Harbaugh. And I think Belichick will, will coach again. I know Atlanta's really hot after him. It's just a matter of, of control, Jay. And you look at, at Belichick, he, he was the personnel guy on top of, you know, the GM and the head coach. And there was just some, some misses, quite honestly, with uh, who he drafted. And he gave some of that control over. And Mac Jones wasn't really handled the best. And, you know, what, what's your ownership like when it comes to the keys? And what's your, your GM slash head coach relationship like? I mean, that's, yeah. that's super important. No, it's very, very important. I, it's vastly important. I, the relationship from top to bottom has to be really good. And he had it there for a long time with, with Bob Kraft and in the Patriots. But he also had arguably the greatest QB, QB of all time that was underpaid. And so they could use some of that money to go get other people and keep guys like Gronkowski and Edelman and, uh, you know, early on Wes Welker and some, or, or go get some, you know, pay some, you know, defensive guys, the Vince Wilforks, the Vrabels, the, the Marvin Harrisons. Um, gosh, you just all those guys back in that time. Does that work? You know, can, can you get a young QB or a QB to not, you know, go out and get as much money so you can pay some other guys? Uh, it's just Brady was, there's no one ever liked him. I don't know if they'll ever be able to like him again. The guy was so locked in and um, held everyone accountable. So I think, you know, Brady was just, was like another coach, OC, uh, general manager on the field in that in that situation. I just don't know if you're ever going to have that relationship between a Kraft, a Belichick, and a Brady again. That was, that was unique. Very, very unique um, to where people have, have tried to mimic and recreate it, and they just haven't. Um, so it's gonna be tough. I just don't know if, and I don't, and maybe Belichick thinks about that too. It's just like, man, uh, what we had there for, you know, those, that decade with Tom and that's, that was special. I, it's just hard to, you know, does he get that at Atlanta? Does he get that at, in Dallas? Does he get it where, wherever, who else, you know, Seattle, you just go down the list, right? Does that, does that, can you, can you recreate, you know, is that because you're kind of just, you're kind of chasing that, uh, you're, that, that purple dragon, right, that, that they had there for so long, that high. I just don't know if you can recreate it again and, and find that perfect mix of of owner, general managers, and, and players because uh, they, they had it. They had something going there for a long time. Bird will check in next week. More NFL thoughts. Thanks for a few minutes today. Yep, you got it, boys. Good to spend time with Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFL. Our podcast is there for you, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. We'll get to some of your stream questions. Steve, thanks for chiming in. And he has a plethora of NFL questions. And the possible Twitter question of the week with Elijah either photoshopping or posing in the deep snow. We'll find out what's real and what's imagined in a wrestling singlet. I kid you not. We'll wind out on Monday. It's Hail Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, a Monday edition Hale Varsity Radio podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter. If you follow Elijah Herbal on Twitter, and you should, at Herbal Essence, you see hilarity and, quite frankly, 
informational tweets as well. So you, good sir, may or may not have jinxed the polar bear Friday night. Is that Don't a, put this on me. Well, is that a real picture of you in a wrestling singlet out in the snow, or was that just magically photoshopped with your editing skills? How good do you think I'm at Photoshop? Yes, I went out into the snow. You psycho. <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole album on my uh, on my camera actually. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, Steve, loyal listener Steve, where's the pineapple on Elijah's desk? Uh, I just didn't have time to run to the store. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> Good for you. Um, how how was the uh, the Joe Rogan experience of of the, the, the cold plot? It was cold. cold yeah, it, it, yeah. It, no, it was it was yeah. Well, the the worst part was after. Aside from the photo, that was funny. Well, it was good. Yeah, no, no, no. The, uh, but the the bad part was my roommates who were so gracious as to take this photo, thinking this guy's an idiot. What what time and evening did you do this? Oh, about 8.30 p.m. 8.30. How many shots deep? Zero. Really? Zero. That was a sober decision. I got home from, from this show on Friday night and went, I got an idea. <laughs> and my roommates go, you idiot, okay. And they, uh, they, they so graciously do this photo shoot for me. <laughs> and then as I'm out in this snow, they run inside and lock the door. So I'm in a wrestling oh, singlet no. stuck on the front porch looking like an idiot, freezing my balls off. Uh, uh, yes, officers, uh, we have a potential situation in North Lincoln uh, with a man in sub-zero temperatures in a wrestling singlet. We, we, uh, copy. Unsure if he's on drugs at this time. <laughs> Proceed with caution. <laughs> yeah. How was your weekend, Elijah? Got tased, uh, you know. <laughs> well, trying to tell the officer, sir, stop banging down that door. It's my house, I swear. Yeah. Uh, no, that that was the worst part. Uh, that was the, that was like the cold part because like there's an element of me thinking I'm being funny, carrying me through standing out in the snow, and then it stops being funny quite quickly whenever you're on the front porch and you you're are ringing the doorbell, wearing next to nothing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brandon asks a question about ice fishing and how many inches. Uh, I believe you need, what, 18, Brandon, to, to safely ice fish? Is that what you're, you're asking? It's been a long time since I've ice fished. Did so in western Nebraska with uh, my grandfather, God rest his soul. And uh, he had a good time. Uh, he was wonderful at, at catching all sorts of fish. He was not in the character, though, of Burgess Meredith, from Grumpy Old Men, the the father figure in that movie where he, he'd have uh, filterless camels and a six-pack of beer for breakfast because he outlived all his doctors. So I picture ice fishing uh, with the, the need of, <laughs> of, of alcohol, uh, tobacco, a heater, and maybe TV. I've actually never been ice fishing. No, the shanties are cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're like really pretty well souped up. Uh, a friend of mine... Avi is awesome at all things fishing. But yeah, I, I haven't been ice fishing. I've never... Uh, Brandon, thank you for asking. Never taken that plunge. Pun intended. Well, hopefully no pun intended. Uh, yeah, I mean, 18 inches of ice, no plunge. Two feet of, of solid ice, Brandon, is, is my take. I think the Game and Parks fellas say 18 inches. So, we'll be back tomorrow. Matt Schick, Mitch Sherman. Talk to you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. A Huda Media Production. 
Heard at Sports Radio. Every weekday morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Join hosts Robbie Lula and Damon Benning and our cast of Heard at Sports personalities as they share their fresh perspectives while keeping you highly entertained. Take a dive into the latest news in all things sports, from the pros to right here at home. Catch Heard at Sports Radio with Robbie Lula and Damon Benning, 7 to 10 a.m. on air, online, and on podcast. Heard at Sports Radio.